Hello and welcome to the newest episode of the Right Stuff Anime Podcast. My name is Thomas Rickardage. I am the Merchandising Manager and joining me today is... I'm Quinn, also a Merchandising Coordinator. I'm Chris, another Merchandising Coordinator. I'm Will, I'm a Social Media Coordinator. I always feel like you're trying to rub that in on us. <laughs> yeah, I'm the different one. One of these things is not <laughs> yes. like the other. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds <Ooh>. accurate. <laughs> All right. We got <laughs> off to an awkward foot. Yeah. We like to joke on this show. <laughs> yes, yeah. we joke a lot. A lot of joking before we even start. So. Oh, man. Sometimes oh. it makes it into blooper reels. <laughs> yeah. Oh, today's episode, we're going to kind of go over some of the stuff we've been watching and reading. Uh, we're going to have a quick little discussion about uh, anime and manga in the sense that if you start watching an anime, does it ever make you just want to pick up the manga? And if you do pick up the manga, do you like to read ahead? Or do you like to just kind of stay around with it and not to spoil anything for yourself? We're going to briefly discuss Millennium Actress, as three of the four of us have seen it. Uh, we're going to talk about our last week of donations for Kyo Annie. And we're going to kind of give some recommendations, some anime films of our own. So let's get started. Uh, Quinn, what have you been watching and reading these last two weeks? All right, so I'm keeping up with my shows that are streaming currently. Uh, Given has gotten out in the lead of my favorites. It is so good. It's um, kind of slower paced, but it's got like a really good character-driven story going on. And it's starting to delve into the side guitarist and the drummer's um, personal lives too. So the cast, even though they've been there, it feels like it's expanded. And it's just got an awesome soundtrack. I'm, I'm loving it. Uh, for my let's have a show to binge when I have nothing to watch because everything's already caught up is Kyo Caramel. So I'm working through the first season of that. I think I rented it at a, like a movies or something in once way back on VHS because I know I've seen it, but I don't own it. So I don't know where I would have watched it otherwise. <laughs> but I'm enjoying that too. And it's just as crazy as what I remember it being, but still good. Uh, for the manga side of things, I'm working on Arata, The Legend, which I did not realize was written by the same author as Fushigi Yugi, which automatically kicked it down a notch of interest for me after I learned that. <laughs> so you're not a Fushigi Yugi fan? Oh, Tomohime! Tomohime! Whatever his name is. Ay, 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 that yeah. thing was super popular back in the it, day. It oh. was. I have a friend who's completely smitten with it, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, you've got a bad Chinese, you know bootleg going on here. It hurt my eyes. That's that's what I remember about the show the most. <laughs> I, I still own the old media. I think they're Media Blaster yes. uh, DVD sets. Yes. Yeah, they're very, very old. Now. I will say that, that those sets, um, they are like really nice because mm-hmm. they've got the nice plastic slipcover box thing yeah. going on with them and they're really pretty. Needless to say, I bought them because that friend got me really interested in it before I realized just how repetitive it is. But uh, Arata, there, there's definitely um, inspiration taken from Fushigi Yugi. So <laughs> it, it's, I mean, there is an anime that exists of it and it only got so far. So that's why mm-hmm. I picked it up to see how it actually ends. So I'm going to finish it, but I'm glad I'm checking it out from the library. It's worth a rental. <laughs> and those are the main highlights of what I'm keeping up with right now. Cool. Chris, what have you been up to? Well, as far as like current stuff, I'm still getting into some of the newer things, but like Demon Slayer is still holding my interest. Like a few week, a couple of weeks ago, Thomas was just like, yes. "You need to see the animation at the end of this one episode." <laughs> so and I was like, "Oh crap, my roommate and I need to catch up." And oh my goodness, it was so beautiful. This arc <laughs> that they seem to be wrapping up here has just been really impressive visually, and it's just 
such a visual delight and something that you just need to see. It's just really well done the way they handle it, mm-hmm. the characterization, the in-depth they get, and some of the villain's character. That's just, Spider Boy. Just he, he needed to die. I'm sorry. Right? <laughs> oh man, he had that coming. Jeez. So spoilers. But um, I know, I know. <laughs> and then as far as like I've been slow binging other stuff too. Like my big thing has been JoJo's. And I just wrapped the uh, fourth series and have just started in the fifth. And it's just interesting to see how they can use what originally was just a grudge between two guys growing up and just blossom into this crazy, overarching, supernatural thriller that goes into different places. Because, like, season two, it's just, like, oh, weird mystical stuff. Season three, it's like Indiana Jones just (laughs) wandering across the (laughs) desert. Season four is just, we're just going to stay in one town. We're going to be real goofy. And now season five I've gotten to, and it's just like, okay, we're doing this mob thing, but also all our costumes are the most ridiculous things ever. And it's just kind of great. And another thing, being a big music guy, I just love all the licensed closing things. Like, like I, I've, it was awesome Like when we had all the roundabout memes going on a few years ago when the uh, first series started. And then they threw in, like, Walk Like an Egyptian. Uh, season 4 had a Truly Met... Or no, it's a I Want You by Savage Garden. And now Season 5, since it's it actually takes place in normal eras, it's cracking me up. Now the new song they have is Jodeci's Freakin' You. <laughs> and to hear some of that slow jam, late 90s R&B, like, unseemly things are about to happen kind of music, just to end every episode of JoJo's, it just cracks me up so hard, but... It's just such a great mishmash of a whole bunch of different influences, and it delights me to no end. JoJo's. I, uh... <laughs> I always feel like whenever I'm like, oh, I'm really digging this, Tom's just like, JoJo. Huh. Well, no, I actually, I actually really like JoJo's, but it's it's like a lot. Like, Oh, yeah. It's like one of those things that I, I watch a couple episodes of it, and then I like take a break from it because it is quite a bit. It is super extra, that um, is for sure. Yeah, but no, I, I do love it. And I think they just announced that they're, they're the, next, the next part of it is going to get made too. Nice. But I can't remember who's involved or what's going on with that. But, I mean, it's just going to be more JoJo's, so it'll be great. <laughs> cool. All right, well, what have you been up to? Oh, I've been going, driving through that backlog of Funimation. Uh, so... I finished up Welcome to the NH. Welcome to the NHK. Loved it. Really enjoyed it a bunch. I wish there was more human drama anime like that. Mm-hmm. And then I decided to pick up Space Dandy. Oh, Space oh boy! Dandy. <laughs> right afterwards, <laughs> and it's a it's been it's been an experience. <laughs> I feel so sorry for the robot. It's like, come on, guys, yeah. quit making him your maid. Yeah, the robot's like this really like sensible and like uh-huh. smart person surrounded by these couple of idiots. <laughs> Although <laughs> the the cat alien is my favorite. Oh yeah, meow meow is this uh <laughs> he's like this cat alien looking thing. He's just got this really like neat and cool design that mm-hmm. I like a lot. Uh, How far are you in the space, Andy? Well, I've gotten three episodes in so okay. far. Cool. I can't ask you what your favorite no. episode is. Yeah. <laughs> No, not quite. I heard that, I mean, I originally got on it because of Watanabe, mm-hmm. it was directing it, but I heard that other, like, well-known uh, directors do, like, different episodes, mm-hmm. depending on what you do, so I'm interested in seeing what that is. Uh, it is a bit episodic for me, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. so I think what I'm going to do is that I'm going to watch 
two episodes of a super depressing show and then watch Space Candy <laughs> as the, as the, as the third episode and spoiler alert there are there is at least one episode in Space Candy that will probably bring you to tears oh which it comes <laughs> comes out of <laughs> comes out of the blue because uh, like you were saying like it is very much like in the Cowboy Bebop sense that you can watch episode mm-hmm. seventeen and like you can understand what's going on like the beginning of it does introduce the characters but after that it's very much like like one episode will end with like everybody dying yeah but in the next episode like everything's like fine it's again fine. it's just another adventure and they standing. never address it it's just like no, yeah we survived great. i don't know what you guys are doing I, I would have killed for another 24 episodes of that show um my personal favorite one was the zombie episode where uh the out, yeah the outbreak uh basically takes over the whole universe <laughs> and like by the end of it even the the three main characters are zombies and but oh like, god it's such a good episode like everybody's cool with it that's that's yeah. an interesting like, thing let's just continue living our uh, lives interesting lifestyle now. choice <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but no the uh the episode the very sad episode is probably one of my top three in there but i'm not gonna read it for you um, I'll wait to you. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll wait till you see if you can realize that that's where the episode's going. Cause like 15 minutes into the episode, I was like, oh, this is just normal. And then like the last five minutes, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so. Yeah, it just, and it's great to see Studio Bones being able to do like the crazy stuff like that. And they're always able to add little things. Like in the first episode, like Space Danny is like throwing his gun. And he looks like he's putting his gun back into his holster, but he actually drops it. <laughs> it's a little thing that you that you might not notice the first time, but like when you do, it's like, oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, for me, I just kind of been watching streaming stuff. Uh, I've been kind of busy with a couple other things, so the you know the usual Demon Slayer. I'm continuing to watch Astra. Astra is just amazing. I'm so happy that after we reviewed it last uh, week, the manga the anime adaptation is just so good like they're doing a great job with it and just based on the fact that i really didn't feel like a lot of people were ever talking about it when it came out that it's getting a great adaptation that so many people are going to be introduced to it now and Mm -hmm. find the joy in that one and the only other one uh, is my continued love for vinland saga the last episode i I, some people didn't really care for because the animation so there's i don't know if you'd call him a villain but there's these two factions of the French that are fighting, and the one that the the Vikings team up with the is animated very like oddly, like he almost looks frog-like. Like when he opens his <laughs> mouth, like his mouth is gigantic, and it's very over the top. There's a there's a scene in it where um, they are attacking the opposition, and the way they do it is the uh, they're in a castle surrounded by a moat. And basically, the they can't get to them because they're basically just shooting them with arrows. And so what they do is they the Vikings carry their own ships up in the air and run right at it, and then <laughs> basically get ship. their ships in the moat, go around, and then basically just kind of they go in the back door. Yeah, basically is what they do. <laughs> And uh, they're all like, they're like, oh, I don't know why we didn't think of that. <laughs> it just kind of makes me laugh. But like, they, uh, the 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 French group that they're teaming up with, they don't expect it to happen. So like, they're running over them, and he's like sitting on the ground, and it's like comedic faces and stuff. And for a show that's been so serious, <laughs> like, it does kind of throw you. But I mean, that kind of stuff does happen in the manga. There are these over the top scenes and over the top reactions. So. 
Um, hopefully, it didn't throw people off too much. I, I thought it was kind of <laughs> comical. Um, but no, it's that show's just cruising right along, and um, they're finally getting to about the part where the first volume starts, where he, where uh, uh, Thorfinn is the actual age that he is. And, <clears throat> They kind of skipped around. He started when he was younger, but no, I mean the show's cruising right along. And then uh, it isn't something I've been watching or reading, but uh, me and my wife have just been cleaning up stuff around the house, getting rid of some manga series we no longer read and stuff like that. And it's always kind of cool to just go through all your old stuff and you know remind yourself like, oh man, I haven't watched this in like 15 years, mm-hmm. or I haven't watched this in 10 years, and or like popping in and be like, oh man, that didn't hold up. <laughs> so. And the minute you sell it is when you'll be like, where is that? I want to see it again. Yeah, or you have a friend that's like, I want to borrow this. Or you have some assignment where you're like, I need to study this for a panel I'm doing or something, and then you don't have it anymore. Yep. But um, got to free up space. That's the only bad part about being a physical file is you do eventually just start to run out of room. Oh, that's a lie. Get a storage unit. Build your own little Uh, reading library. But then you're just annoyed that it's not easily accessible. You're like, I gotta get in my car and go drive to a storage unit or the reading library. That's what you call it. The reading library. What what you need to do is recliner in there. Yeah. Or you put put those bookshelves that glide on tracks. Yes. And then just make one big solid room full of nothing but books on glided tracks. I just need to get rich enough to build my own house. That's basically the only. I think the only thing that we need now. I just want to get everything out of boxes. I think that's what we're leaning at. <laughs> so, um, okay, brings us on to kind of our next subject. So I was kind of thinking about this this week. Um, so I just started binging like Demon Slayer like crazy after I've really gotten into the anime. And uh, most of it is available on the Shonen Jump app right now, unless you uh, are buying it physically, which I do both. I get it physical, but I also like to read ahead. And um, I was talking to a friend of mine, and he's like, "Well, why are you why are you reading the manga of it? Like the anime's on right now. Like mm-hmm. you're gonna kill like uh, all the momentum of the show because you know exactly what's gonna happen." And I'm like, "Well, that doesn't bother me because." <laughs> Like, I read it, and I'm like, oh, man, that's going to be so cool to see it animated. So that, like, brings my, like, my want to still watch it is, like, I want to see it. Like, Vinland Saga, I, I've read Vinland Saga when I saw it was going to be made into a show. I, like, freaked out. Like, so I, I'm kind of asking everybody here, kind of, what's your opinion? Do you, if you're really into a show, do you wait for the show to be done and then read the manga? Or, like, if you're getting into an anime, like, do you pick up the manga and start reading ahead? Like, Quinn, what's your kind of feeling on that i'm torn because it depends on the show um my my one that's popping in my head the most is haikyuu mm-hmm. so i watched the anime first didn't expect it to continue because it's you know it's got multiple different tournaments that they're in so mm-hmm. i was like oh this probably won't get, keep going so i picked up the manga and was reading it and then the next season came out and i'm like oh but the momentum was gone for me so for the third season mm-hmm. i didn't read ahead and then it ended, and I went back and read some of the manga, so now I'm back in the problem with the fourth season where I'm going to know what's going on, and the momentum's going to be gone. So does that bother you? It does. <laughs> it does. It really does. Because, like, the momentum is still there in the, the manga, mm-hmm. but I'm not as caught up in the anime, mm-hmm. I think, is why I don't really like reading ahead. Like, I'm still getting that high for the momentum that's being produced by the action in either version Mm -hmm. but because i know what's going on it's not as intense 
And I know that for like the first season of Haikyuu, I literally went back and would watch the previous episode <clears throat> prior to the new episode that came out because mm-hmm. I needed that momentum because they always cut off. It's always like, oh, did they make it? What happened? Chunk! Oh, credits. Sounds like Kukuro's basketball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except much better. Yes. <laughs> I like Kukuro's basketball, but that's just because I yeah. like basketball and I thought it was hilarious that two minutes of a game takes 20 minutes oh, of an episode. So long. <laughs> but. Yeah, and then like um, Blue Exorcist. That one, I didn't expect that to finish out. Mm. So I've been keeping up with that one too. And then so <laughs> when the second season came out and everyone's like, what the hell is going on? I have no yeah. idea. I knew because I was ahead. Mm-hmm. And and I'm, I'm going to have to throw a certain publisher under the bus here, but I can't afford said sets. <laughs> Sorry, Anaplex. <laughs> so I have to go buy this manga. Like, I remember a certain point in time where I flat out was like, all right, I either have to buy the manga or the anime. I can't afford both. And now I'm just like, oh, screw it. Buy Paycheck. You know, I'll go buy the manga and then they continue on and I'm like would you in the series this is getting expensive like I kept up with Maji or, mm-hmm. or Magi whatever um, I think of it as Maji yeah and and that's stu- uh, I don't like what they <laughs> well, did in the plot I really don't like they're what they like did they're like 30 some volumes in now because yeah they, well, the last one's like 37 yeah so it's like I got to a certain point in the manga I think I got up to like volume 24 that I owned before I was like, what are you doing? Mm. And now I'm just buying the rest of it because I have, I, you know, I invested just, all this money. Then just sell the whole thing on eBay when you're done with it. Cause you, yeah, I could. And I mean, uh, well, but I mean, then it's like, but I bought this. Uh, we, we just got rid of seven deadly sins because that is just kind of went off a cliff. Oh, no. Um, and unfortunately, um, but I mean the beginning of the series is great, but I think it's really hard for mangas that get in the 30s and 40s to, mm-hmm. you know, keep their welcome, so. Well, it depends on the author, too. Like, if you're doing a good job keeping the plot consistent and it's tight, I'm fine with it, but, like, mm-hmm. D. Gray Man, what the hell happened to that thing? Well, <laughs> oh, my gosh. The, I know the mangaka, the author, has had, like, the worst health oh, issues, yeah. like, and I'm not, ever. I'm not, like, blaming the mangaka uh-huh. for just going off the rails, but at the same time, did you read what you wrote previously before you wrote this new chapter? I'm just saying. Because yeah. the latest Omnibus, I started reading that, and I was just like, what is going on? I have no idea. Like, I felt I was reading something completely mm-hmm. different. And then people get mad at, uh, you know, the manga of uh, Hunter x Hunter. Like, all right, you know, they do take forever to write chapters, but the story's still good. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll wait until the, the writer of Berserk is 98 years old <laughs> if he ends it in a great way. Like, I'll, I'll wait. Like, mm-hmm. we've all seen what happens when you rush things. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, talk about TV shows, but Game of Thrones. But <laughs> just take your time, you know, telling the story. Chris, what's your feelings? So it's a little bit tricky for me. Like, one of the things about our position in the company is oh. we help post the stuff on the website. Mm-hmm. And I handle this books. And so, like, I've been getting into Dr. Stone and Dragon Slayer, or, or Demon Slayer. But then, like, I'm posting the volume previews for, like, books that are coming out four months down the road. And it's just like, oh, so this is what happens. And there's this thing that shows up. Like, what the hell is that? I, I got to just inter- interject here. I oh. will not read those synopses. I make somebody else proofread them for me. I don't ruin it for myself. <laughs> but you, when you have to post them, you're still exposed to them anyway. Nope, so nope. I, don't I get it. that. Nope. I can't ship it off to somebody else. I don't have that convenience. And you so it just... 
I'm just super a, a little bit spoiled in that mm-hmm. case, but at the same time, I, I kind of want to see how we get there. And so, if I want to check out the manga, sometimes I will. I think what for my situation though, what happens more often is when those two different things take grand deviations. Like I think the best way to uh, to use as an example was uh, his and her circumstances. I was a big fan of the anime, and yes, I know it sort of ended in a bit of a weird train wreck. But I loved the show, and I started reading the manga when it came out, when Tokyo Pop put it out 10, 15 years ago, and I stuck with that all the way to the end, and it was cool because they greatly diverted, because the show just sort of shot, stopped, and it was awesome to see the, the storyline continue to play out and see what happened with these characters, and just to get the resolution that you were able to get because they kept on going. They didn't have to just stop at 26 episodes and then the director wandered off to do whatever shiny thing gleamed in front of him next. (laughs) But then there's also things like Akira. Like, I obviously watched the movie first before the manga, Mm -hmm. but then finally, like, I checked it out at the local library and it's, once again, a cool situation where you get to see the story continue where you left off. And then I think the, the another good example that doesn't really fit, because it's not really manga or anime, but it's a very similar vein, the Scott Pilgrim books. Mm-hmm. I discovered those books first, and then when I got done with Volume 4 and I found out that Edgar Wright, one of my favorite directors, was adapting it, I was like, holy crap, this is going to be awesome. But by the time the movie had dropped, Volume 6 of the book had yet to come out, and they didn't really coordinate much, so they have completely different endings. Mm-hmm. But I think they're both very good, and it's cool to see what you do with that sort of diverging difference of how do we wrap this up. And I think they both had their own unique takes on it, and I thought it was really good. So, like, often, like, if if it's just, like, this seems to be a very straightforward adaptation, I might not check out the manga. But if it's like, oh, so this is what they did, and this is what the other people did, then I'm definitely interested to see another take. I, I kind of like seeing it from different angles. It's a kind of cool way to be able to approach media, and that's one of the beauties of manga and anime is sometimes everybody puts their own creative spin on something. Mm-hmm. Will, what's your feelings? Yeah, well, for me, uh, the biggest factor in all, in all of this, in my decisions like that, is, is time. Like I only, there's only so much time mm-hmm. to to read a manga and then watch the anime or vice versa. So for me, it just really depends on a couple of factors. Usually, whatever I started first, because <laughs> uh, for me, I read Assassination Classroom uh, first, and then I saw that the man- that the anime was like 50 episodes or so, and I was like, hmm, <laughs> do I have the time? Or I mean. Maybe someday, or at least go check out some of the stuff in the manga that I thought would be cool to see animated, see how they turned out. But I might not ever see the anime. Mm-hmm. But then there's other ones where it's like Girls' Last Tour, where they only adapted like four out of the six volumes of the show. And since there's no, there's no announcement that it'll ever continue, I'll most likely pick up... I need to at least read the last two. And then I'll probably need to pick up one through four just to make sure everything lines up nicely. Mm-hmm. Nicely with mm-hmm. each other. And then you've got shows like One Piece oh, or, or Naruto where it's like, <laughs> even when you eat, like, where there's just a bunch of quote-unquote filler in the anime, 
and like flashbacks and stuff to where it's like it would be a whole lot shorter to read the manga than it would be to watch the anime. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I will eventually get to reading One Piece. I mean, the 100th volume is coming out probably in the next <laughs> year, year or two. So I feel like I feel like I need to I need to see what all the hubbub is about. It's a little more feasible than about a thousand episodes. Yeah, uh, I I, well, I will say this as somebody who reads One Piece, uh, it reads way better than it watches. Okay, um, and if you get into it, it goes fairly quickly. I I think I started reading One Piece maybe last year and I think mm -hmm. it only took me six months to read mm -hmm. the whole thing and this oh, was wow. like reading on a lunch mm -hmm. reading yeah. like maybe a couple chapters before bed um yeah it, it, reading just to me just goes so much faster and mm -hmm. yeah um I, I guess for me it's like if there is a large anime of something and there's a manga I will probably read the manga and then like if I there's certain points that are super cool like a spoiler alert, let's say One Piece where Ace dies, which this happened years and years ago yeah. now, so <laughs> if, you're, if, you, if you didn't realize it, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, like, that was a cool scene. Like, that whole Marineford arc is a great arc, and I went and I watched it because I wanted to see it animated, and it was really cool, but, like, a lot of the scenes where people are just talking and things are getting set up in One Piece, yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a lot, so... Mm -hmm. Just kind of watching the highlights and stuff, but I, I I guess I've always been uh like oh my god that was an amazing episode what's gonna happen next week I grab the book and open it up and I'm like oh so that's what's gonna happen next week and like it just doesn't bother me at all like whatsoever um I don't like things spoiled for me so like if it's like uh like an original anime or something like I don't like it if a leak happens and something gets out because I like to like experience it my own way but I can easily watch an anime and then pick up the manga and not think twice about it. I might just be the weird one there that, that's doing it, because I'm doing it with Demon Slayer uh, right now, and... Uh, well, I understand the mindset of doing that, because it's like, if you have the ability to not have to wait, why wait? Mm -hmm. But, yeah, then the momentum is just dead for me, but that's me. I don't know. And like, then, like, yeah. My Hero, I'm all caught up. <laughs> so, like, this whole next season, like, I already know what's going to happen, but it's going to be a great season. <laughs> like, it's going to be super cool. There's a lot of awesome things that happen. Mm. And I don't know, I always like to, I've always liked to go to, like, the message boards on Reddit, too, and they always have, like, if the anime is showing, they have, like, a whole part of the forum that's just talking about the anime. It's interesting to see what people think are going to happen. Mm. And then, you knowing what happens, and they always do a strict thing where, like, They'll block you or kick you off if you're a manga reader and you get on and try to spoil things for people. But I have always liked just to get on and see. And I did the same thing, like, after the first season of Game of Thrones came out, I read all the books, so I knew what was going to happen with the Red Wedding. I don't know if people watch Game of Thrones here. But it was interesting to see how they built to it because you see all the little things and people's reaction to it. But I don't know. I just... Just give me the story. Like if I'm into it, if I'm into it, like I want to like I want to binge it all. I want to take it all in. Like... I've never been the episodic kind of person, like waiting week to week for something. Like net, yeah. the Netflix strategy, God bless them. God bless <laughs> that they give me eleven episodes of a series and I can just like binge through it. Like I don't know. But, but Carol and Tuesday. Uh, next week. Next week. Next week it comes out. Thank God. <laughs> next week, yeah. They haven't been advertising it, but next week. And I can't remember. Also, the uh, they said next month that they're getting the OVA slash movies of. 
the sequel to Cabinary of the Iron Fortress, mm-hmm. um, which I'm super excited for because I thought that was a really cool pet project they did that um, the the creators of Attack on Titan did that I was happy that they were able to make and thought it was pretty good. So, but yeah, I don't know if you guys have opinions, uh, you can always write into us at the RS podcast at writestuff.com. Let us know how you feel about manga versus anime. Do you like to binge? Uh, the anime, maybe pick up the manga, or just let the anime kind of cruise through and watch the manga or read the manga later. I don't know. It just it's just kind of an interesting thing that people are so decisive on the way they do it, and everybody's like kind of different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's super interesting to me. So, mm-hmm. well, three out of four of us last week went and saw. <laughs> Not to signal anybody Not out. To signal anybody out. <laughs> I can't help it. I run pub quizzes <laughs> yeah. twice a week. No, and I mean, there's a lot of things that I don't get to, but Millennium Actress is one that I hold is my favorite uh, Satoshi Kon work. That and Tokyo Godfathers is pretty tied for me. But it came back out, and uh, it was finally a chance to see it in theaters. And through a thought, I've seen it before. Quinn, you had never seen it before, right? I had managed to not know a single thing about this movie other than it existed. And so what did you think of it for your first time? I liked how they integrated the interviewer for the documentary and his cameraman into her flashbacks, but I also found that confusing Mm -hmm. because... And it also took me out of the scene sometimes. Like, suddenly they just pop back in, and I'm like, oh, yeah, those guys, they do exist in this timeline. Mm -hmm. And eventually the interviewer, he actually crossed her path as a younger man, Mm -hmm. so then... He's not only talking with her as a young man, but also as the documentary maker. And the, then the cameraman turns into just the interloper on her memories. And I, I liked all of that, but still had some issues with it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know it ended, and I, I was expecting more from it. And it just was like, oh, that, that was it. Okay. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but I don't think I was near on the level as you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. my joy of it comes from uh, I went to going to film school. I studied a lot of Japanese film, like early, early Japanese film. So like, just seeing like the like the kickback to like a lot of the early Kurosawa stuff, Ron, and like even like some of the Godzilla stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I get a huge kick out of that. Like you're also getting like a film history lesson with all that mm-hmm. stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I I don't I've always liked the way that Cone manipulates like reality like i like paprika is probably my least favorite but in ways i still love it so much i'm i mean you can see a lot of elements of paprika in like inception um and the way they kind of do that where they're like like in inception they're going from dream to dream to dream um and then like paprika they're going like you know from like dreams as well and just how they kind of layer on top of each other and stuff like that but i i i just always like how the, the manipulation of like that time and those mm-hmm. ideas and like the cameraman to me is kind of like us as the viewer like oh yeah like some of the comments like, <laughs> he was making I was like right there with yeah, you uh, right there the cameraman is very much like us and um, I don't know I, I I like the the I can't remember what the character's name is but the the gentleman who is doing the interview and also is the one that like kind of worshipped her and yeah, worked with yeah. her. I, I, I like him a lot because he does kind of remind me of like He's those people who family. finally get to to meet like their like 
people they idolize and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, you know, they kind of hold him up on, like, this thing. Like, oh, she was, like, the greatest actress of all time. I will say, too, that his his character, for such a fanboy, he keeps it together and be and is a professional <laughs> mm-hmm. really well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Except when he keeps inserting himself into yeah. the stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, no, yeah, it becomes the character. Yeah, he's like, about that. oh, it's like, oh, nope. There's a <laughs> this thing that happens to her, and now she can't escape. Well, here he becomes the. I uh, got. I can't think of the name of it. It's the thing that they put into a film. A MacGuffin. MacGuffin. There you go. He becomes the MacGuffin like every time. Like, oh, she's locked up. Oh, here he comes with the key to let her out. And like, oh no, she's trapped and she's gonna get arrested. Oh, here, here he comes as a samurai or like a ninja to like save the day. So like he MacGuffins to keep the movie going so she can keep going in all the different movies she's in. And I don't know. I just I find the flow of that that movie to me like is like twenty minutes long. Like it just feels like. It starts, they introduce, the movie part just kind of just flows smoothly, which is ridiculous for everything that goes on, and it reaches its, like, kind of, it's kind of sad, kind of happy conclusion mm-hmm. that, you know, sometimes, for, like, the idea that I get is, like, you know, she's always, like, looked for this guy to see him again, stuff like that, but maybe part of the joy in her life was just the search, mm-hmm. and, like, this thing that kind of ended up becoming unattainable to her, um, but I'm just kind of babbling on. Well, what did you think? <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely agree with, with a lot of what Thomas said. Uh, there's just, there's just, as a first time viewer, there's a lot to just go back and re and rewatch again because mm-hmm. there just seems to be so many layers to this movie. Not only just about what's part of her life and what's not part of her life, but also how like. Your relationship mm-hmm. with between yourself and the media that you consume or take part in, mm-hmm. and how how do you divert differentiate or whether it's even worth differentiating on, mm. and that that obviously shows up a lot in her as an actress and all the seamless seamless combination of her movie scenes and her real life stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's just a whole lot to like dissect and look into that really like intrigues me. Mm-hmm. But it's but with all of that, for some reason, it, it just didn't get a huge emotional reaction from me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I've been for the past week. I've been trying to figure out why that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best answer I could come up with is that as a social media guy, mm-hmm. I had to constantly like pr- do promote it on our on our social media channels, yeah. which could inver- could accidentally create this overhype for me mm-hmm. and expectations. And that's that's yeah. one of the worst things too is like uh, just to use like a common movie as an example like The Goonies like a lot of people have a lot of nostalgia for that mm-hmm. movie and like if you did grow up with it like um, like it holds a special place in a lot of people's hearts like for me like I'm a huge Mighty Ducks fan like the Mighty oh, Ducks yeah. movies aren't like the best movies in the world, uh, yeah. but I was really into hockey when I was young, and those movies hit me just right. But like, if you are not in that, you know, watch these and mm-hmm. through nostalgia colored glasses mm-hmm. from when you were younger, some of these things just don't kind of hold up. And I mean, we have a lot of people that kind of coming into anime and manga and stuff like now that like, like let's say Yurisei Yatsura is now getting re-released and like I really like it um and but on a level I'm able to appreciate something that there's a lot of things that have come out that have done it before but I'm able to appreciate that this was like the standard Devil Man mm-hmm. is another really mm-hmm. kind of good example but like you if you didn't see these classics 
and like these people like overhype it as like the best thing ever and you watch it like sometimes like it doesn't like live up to those expectations mm-hmm. and it's just part of reality like it it doesn't like af- like judge you as a viewer at all if you don't like something that somebody else doesn't like like it just everybody takes in media differently like and i i think yeah what you're saying completely makes sense mm-hmm. like because oh, yeah. how often have you heard that people say satoshi Cohen like only mattresses is best work like yeah. people say that all the time and it's just like well you hold up to this high standard you finally get to watch it and then like you're just like oh this is a good movie <laughs> but yeah <laughs> dot, dot, dot. so but it's like i i, I agree with almost exactly the same yeah. thing as you it's the emotional resonance just for some mm-hmm. reason is a different degree I yeah think. but yeah i mean and like i i know i use goonies but like i saw the i didn't see the goonies so i was in the 2020 same oh, yeah. and i just didn't care for it i was like yeah. oh that was a 80s thing yeah a, a lot of, 80s thing. <laughs> right. a lot of that stuff is yeah. just timing because like i'm in the same boat like mm-hmm. i grew up and i mean i love peewee's big adventure i yeah. love blues oh, brothers God. but then there's like like the Sandlot, I think that one I completely missed. Maybe I aged yeah. out of that one. Yeah, yeah, like can... Princess Bride, I feel bad because everybody's just like, "As you wish." And I'm like, "Ah, that movie was all right." <laughs> yeah. No, not, like I said, I think it has a lot to do with you know your feelings when you're younger for that. I mm-hmm. I I'm not a huge Jim fans uh, Jim Henson fan, um, but a lot of people oh. love his work. <laughs> like everybody's so excited <laughs> for. The new Dark, the Crystal, Dark Crystal coming Crystal. out, yeah. and I just don't have that like. That I just feel. love the classic Muppet movies. They're yeah, just so yeah, fun. those are good too. Yeah, I do. I do. I will say, I do like the uh, the Muppet movies. I think those are kind of timeless. But mm-hmm. no, like, <laughs> don't forget about following that bird. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, has anybody seen Tokyo Godfather? No. Okay. I want to. That one looks cool. Yeah. I'll I'll bring this. You guys can borrow it. It's that's one of my. I watch it every Christmas. Like it's like one of my Christmas movies. Which nice. Might seem weird to some people, but it's just a really good heartwarming tale. Uh, it is sad, you know. Satoshi Kon did pass away very young, and he only really had the four big movies: uh, Millennium Actress, Tokyo Godfathers, Paprika, and Perfect Blue. Um, and then he did the awesome Paranoia Agent, which you can't find. <laughs> anywhere unless you buy it for a lot of money on dvd which is really sad because it is such an awesome series but it would have been cool to see him kind of carry on his career because i kind of just thought like you know he was like i like his work a lot but he was eventually working towards a masterpiece mm-hmm. i think and i think yeah. each one of his like creations has something that's really amazing about it and eventually those, those sums become one and then he creates something but fortunately passed away super young so but no i i would say if you haven't checked out millennium actress you should mm-hmm. i think it, it does kind of have something for everybody like i think a lot of my love for it is just the kickback old school japanese you know films Kurosawa and stuff that makes me super happy um i like the love story it's okay but it just kind of takes to me it's not like the center stage and i think you guys yeah. kind of felt like it didn't have that bang at the end. Well, no, it was just because it was the last line ha- had me making me rethink, like almost like a lot of the, a lot of the main characters' motivations after that last line. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hmm, maybe I have to rethink this whole her like her whole like arc as well. Mm-hmm. So. Well, Millennium Actress is streaming on Amazon Instant Video right now, so you still have a chance to watch it there. Um, there hasn't been an announcement for a Blu-ray, but Eleven Arts 
they usually after they do a release they announce yeah, something so i would say keep your eye out i'm pretty sure for our a release of that will eventually happen mm-hmm. so all right so we're just going to touch on one quick thing before we get into a couple of recommendations of anime films that we really really love um we are going into our last week of our donation drive for Kyo Annie and Quinn, where are we at for donations right now? Fandom has officially donated through our website $20,392. That's awesome. Ooh. Yep, so that'll be going to Kyoto Animation. Mm-hmm. Yep, so we've got one more week, so you guys can hop on if you guys are doing any ordering or if you just want to donate to the cause. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a lot of Kyo Annie's uh, anime up on our site. If you type in Kyo Annie into our search bar, you can see a lot of their stuff that's further that they're very well known for. So if you want to take a look at that, you also can as well. But you've got one more week left uh, on the 31st of August will be the last day we take donations. And then we will make sure we do some kind of social media announcement to let you know what we raised and how much we are donating to them to help them out. Mm-hmm. One of the good things that did come out today is uh, Japan is not going to tax any of the donations that come to Kyo oh, Annie, nice. and it will yeah. all be considered disaster relief. So all that money um, will go to Kyo Annie to help out the families and help the studio get back on its feet. I have seen they have a, a trailer out for the new Violet Evergarden movie, so it does look like things are kind of moving along mm-hmm. and they're kind of getting back to uh normal as much as they can and i know that they said that they're taking down a couple of the things that were built for those who passed away to kind of mm-hmm. you know you never move on but you had a time you you have to kind of keep going yeah, and yeah. i think they're getting to that point so well we want to thank everybody who has donated to that mm-hmm. so all right so since we were talking about millennium actress we were kind of just thinking about anime films that we really 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 like and we're each going to kind of cover two just to kind of give you guys some ideas of some stuff that we recommend uh quinn we'll start off with you what is one of your all-time favorite anime films so i'm going to preface this with i haven't seen this in years so i don't remember the exacts about everything (laughs) um it is no longer in print either it's uh the sky crawlers and the whole premise is just fighter pilots in this very sparsely populated world that literally just get in their planes, fly off, and then they'll come back. But sometimes they don't come back. And you're just kind of left wondering what is going on in their world. It's an alternate world, so it's not really based in anything that we're familiar with. And you just stay at the base. You never go with them, from what I remember. Asterisk mark. And I just remember watching the film just kind of not really that into it, but at the very end, it all clicks, and it's like, oh. So I had to go back and watch it again, um, but it was also very slow-paced, so I just told myself I would do that at a later date, and I have yet to do that uh, many years later. Uh, It also has a ridiculously awesome soundtrack. Oh, my goodness. I've listened to that more than I've watched the movie. (laughs) (laughs) One of the crazy things about Skycrawlers is it's directed by Mamoru Oshii, who did like Angel's Egg and uh, oh, uh, you know Ghost in the Shell, yeah. uh, Beautiful Dreamer, Yurusei Yatsura. Yeah. Um, so it was, it's very bleak. It is very bleak. It, like there's no, I really no happy like it to too. it at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to check that. Out. No, yeah, I, I really really like it. It's it's 
still available? Mm -mm. No? Okay. I don't believe well, so. Well, I have it at home, so if anybody wants to call yeah. I can bring that for you. I just you. call our company. This is just... why we keep Thomas around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Before I started working here, I was a collector myself, so I do have a bunch of very odd stuff. But, no, Skycrawlers is good. I wish more people would have seen it when it mm -hmm. first came out. Maybe you'll... They'll have some kind of re renaissance for it, or uh, some company will re-license it, and people will be able to check it out again. Mm -hmm. So, Chris, what do you got? All right, I've got a couple of things that go way back. And so the first one just sort of sticks out in my memory because I grew up a child of the 80s and 90s and didn't get a lot of exposure on me because the closest we got to that was pretty much like Voltron and Robotech as kids. And I remember distinctly, like, when we got cable, like, some of the cool things, like, USA and TBS would have, like, sort of their subver subversive late-night programming on the weekends, like, Night Flight and, like, Night Tracks, I think, was TBS's version. And I remember specifically they ran one night where it was a double feature, and the first one was Vampire Hunter D, which I thought was pretty cool, but I was never a big vampire guy. But the second one, the one I'm talking about that ran right after that, was a movie called Robot Carnival. And this one's a really cool anthology movie from the late 80s. And it's sort of uh, bookended by featurettes directed by uh, Katsuhiro Otomo. And it's just ridiculous because it's just this sort of desert post-apocalyptic town. And a kid finds a poster that says the robot carnival is on the way. And he panics. And he runs back to his hometown to tell people and everybody starts freaking out, and then the robot carnival arrives. And it's just this monolithic, gigantic mechanism, like the size of eight space shuttle gantries right next to each other, just towering over everything. And there's little robot automatons playing music and dancing and doing acrobatics as the big mechanism steamrolls the entire village. Oh, no. And so that just sort of sets a story for a an anthology, a series of really interesting shorts handling robotics. Like, one of them is a play on Frankenstein, where a guy creates his own robot in his own image and just tries to keep on getting it working, and when he finally does, he starts dancing. The robot sees him and starts dancing and crushes his creator by accident. Oops. There's one where it's just a girl goes to an amusement park and kind of falls in love with a robot entertainer. And so it's just this dreamy little sort of music video sort of vibe where there's like sci-fi adventure and stuff like that. There's one where it's just a throwback where it's like feudal Japan and Western influence is coming in. So they actually build a makeshift like wooden robot to fight them off. And so it's got like six little shorts that work really well, but each have really interesting takes on robotics. And they're all very unique, very artistic. And it's just a really cool watch. And so I highly suggest that one. We've got it on Blu-ray, I believe, mm -hmm. on our site. Yeah. It's just really cool. So I got something funny. You bring that up, it totally hit my nostalgia thing. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh -huh. Cartoon Network ran this thing one night called Night of the Vampire Robot. And <laughs> it was your vampire hunter, and it was a robot carnival. Here's the preview of it. it. And now the Cartoon Network's going to give it to you. Six hours of intense Japanese animation with Robot Carnival, Vampire Hunter E, and Twilight of the Cockroaches. Night Moon! It's the Cartoon Network's Night of the Vampire Robots, Saturday night at midnight on the best place for cartoons. That was before Toonami came out. That's awesome. 
I can't believe I remember that, but I, when you started talking about it, I was uh-huh. just like, I remember a double feature of Vampire Hunter D and uh, Robot Carnival, because that was how I first experienced Robot Carnival too. Nice. Staying up till 6 a.m. at night <laughs> watching that stuff, but, oh man, that takes me back. Oh yeah. No, and uh, Robot Carnival is available on DVD and Blu-ray through Discotech. I do highly recommend you pick that up, it is an awesome so classic. Cool. So, Will, what do you got? I'm going to be basic here and say, <laughs> and say Princess Mononoke is a pretty good watch if you haven't seen it. You know, it's pretty good. It is. Right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just one of those it's one of those movies that really just pulled me in. I think it was just because of its, like, deliberate slow pacing. Something about stuff like that just really just, like, hooks me and pulls me into, like, the story and the world. And obviously the visuals themselves are very epic and just, like, gorgeous to look at. Mm-hmm. Like... I think it's called the Nightwalker, uh, the, the the form the four spirit takes, yeah, takes yeah. mm-hmm. one at night, and it's just like that first scene where you where you watch him like, where you watch him is just absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely spellbinding mm-hmm. to watch. So, was your yeah. first experience with it? Was it the 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 dub or was it the subtitle? I've only experienced the dub so far. Okay, no, and uh, there's been like a kind of resurgence and people talking about the. The Miramax dub of it because, uh, uh, what is the name of that writer? Uh, Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman came out, which I I had heard about back in the day, but he came out and he said, yeah, I was one of the people that made the dub for it. So a bunch of people have been like, oh, I want to revisit the dub, but the Blu-rays don't have the dub on it because there's a Miramax dub and stuff like that. Ooh, I got a collector's item. Woo! Yeah. (laughs) There's interest in it again. You want to check eBay to see what it's worth. And the cast for that one was really good, too. Yeah, yeah, they very much pushed it. Like, uh, there's Gillian Anderson, X-Files, and Mm -hmm. I can't remember. Didn't they have the dub in the theater, though? Yeah, like, this got put into theaters, and I I don't know if I want to say it was the first... Like, it was the first big anime one they've pushed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, even the other ones, uh, they... I can't remember if Totoro had a theatrical release back when it first came out. Yeah. And I, think I remember a, the old school VHS yeah. tape mm-hmm. of that, the art of it, mm-hmm. but, I don't, but I don't know if it ever... I think that was the first one that Disney handled because mm-hmm. Miramax yeah. was part of them, and yeah. that's yeah. when they started doing the big Ghibli push. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, the one that always sticks out in my memory was the uh, the Kiki's Delivery Service where you had Kirsten Dunst as Kiki, Phil Hartman's oh, yeah. final role as Gigi. That was the best Gigi! It's so good! <laughs> ah, and then the new ones have some of his lines removed, and I'm like, no, I'm never letting go of my copy. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. No. Yeah. Princess Mononoke. I think it was like mm-hmm. the one that opened a lot of doors for people. Mm-hmm. I I didn't really mm-hmm. get into it until Spirited Away. But going back, like Princess Mononoke is awesome. It's almost his darkest. Like one, two. Like oh, it, yeah, I would say definitely. Yeah, darker than not. I think like Nausicaa is pretty dark, but that would be the second. Blood, much more and, yeah. yeah. It's it's a rough one. Yeah, I mean, it deals with a lot of like like complicated issues. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it still even holds up today. So, so my uh, first one I'm going to talk about is Redline, and uh, it, I would say it's kind of a newer one. I think it's getting close to it's probably it's either this year is its tenth anniversary, getting close to its tenth anniversary. But I I just love this the the style and the craziness of it. Um, like the animation for this is just so slick. Oh, yeah. um, the mm-hmm. the director of this had previously done animation for like Ninja. Um, 
God, I am doing terrible today. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Ninja Slayer, Ninja Scrolls. Um, and, like, he just has such an awesome style. And this thing's so slick. Like, I, I, the race, the racing is great. Um, the character designs, I mean, even, like, down to, like, what shoe each character is wearing is, like, super stylized. Mm-hmm. It's just awesome. And, I mean, Promare is coming out through Trigger, um, which I think looks really, really cool, too. But, mm-hmm. like, there hasn't been anything like Redline, like, since it came out. Like, Madhouse really took a chance on something mm-hmm. like this, and it didn't end up doing very well for them, unfortunately. And I think that has a lot to do with them not taking chances. Like, we get, you know, the silent voices and stuff that kind of come out, and they're very safe, you know. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a mass audience. But Redline was just kind of something special. It kind of reminded me of, like, the crazy, like, Aeon Flux-style, like, 90s <laughs> uh, animation that I really, really liked. And I... Whenever it's on, or if I find it, like, I just stop and watch it. Like, you know, the characters are, you know, they're not super fleshed out. They give you enough stuff just so you know, like, oh, you know, this guy, this is his motivation. Because it is all about, like, the awesome animation and how it looks. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of action. Mm-hmm. And enough story to support that action. But, yeah, you're, yeah. you're there for the adrenaline. Oh, yeah. That's what that movie is. Yeah, even the main character, mm-hmm. like... When he's not racing, he's just kind of like, bleh. But then when he's racing, like, he is, like, super excited, super pumped. And that's how we are as the audience. Like, yeah. let's get back to the racing. Um, and that's just kind of why I've always really, really liked Redline. And like I said, there hasn't been anything like it since it came out. It makes me mm-hmm. kind of sad. So yeah. um, if you haven't checked it out yet, um, i got to assume there's places to watch it for free. I even think YouTube. YouTube has yeah, it. Yeah, it got, it got posted on YouTube for free. And yeah, apparently, yeah. <laughs> but no, no, not like, not like. Okay, I look it up. Like it's 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 free with ads. Okay. So yeah, it looks like it then warns you that it's inappropriate for some users. <laughs> I I don't remember anything. I don't remember that there was nudity or maybe they curse a lot. Curse words, yeah. Maybe yeah, there is some curse words, so it must be the dub. But yeah, yeah. you gotta check it out. I you know watch it on YouTube. But if you have a nice TV. Get the Blu-ray of it because yeah. the animation's incredible. So it is. Did, that, did they? It's all hand-drawn, right? Like it's yeah, CGI? yeah. But it's like you know yeah. traditional hand-drawn. I don't know if there was any. I don't think there CG was any at all, and I don't recall anything that like. And usually CG will stick out to yeah. me like a oh, sore yeah. thumb. Every time Vin Saga does something in CG, I'm like, oh, there it is. <laughs> so, but no, it's awesome. So check out Redline. Mm-hmm. Quinn, what's your next one? Uh, I'm also going back into the out-of-print section. Sorry, guys. Uh, it is Read or Die, the OVA series. So this was, I believe, a three three uh, OVA series. And the whole premise is the main character can control paper. And while that sounds like the wussiest special ability ever, it is so cool. Because she makes them, like, she takes the paper and will have it uh, simultaneously be like hard as a rock and cut people and then it'll just be the most flimsy thing and smother people mm-hmm. like she's got it. she could be on My Hero Academia mm-hmm. just saying she could totally wipe the face with Do some me. of those characters but anyway but um, I don't remember what the overall plot was I just remember really enjoying the action the use of her ability with the paper and the characters themselves were uh, flushed out well. Mm-hmm. I just don't remember the overall plot, but I really liked it. I vaguely remember some of the plot, and I know it involved stuff like like a ancient library or something like that, and a lot of like there was yeah, like a composer. To, so, I think that was a, like yeah. the main villain. It feels like there was like some mystery 
There's there's definitely some yeah. strange secret history, yeah. sort of Assassin's Creedy kind of. This is how mm-hmm. the world actually works. Mm-hmm. Mythology to it, and there's some cool steampunk stuff going on in that movie or in the OVA too that I mm-hmm. really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I, I was also a big fan of the TV series, also. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, like it wasn't the same. Yeah, it wasn't the same. It wasn't. But it was just like though. three sisters who had similar powers. Mm-hmm. Doing like continuing where the original character Yumiko left off, mm-hmm. but it's just a cool franchise that I really wish they would have kept on building on. Yeah, yeah, it it could have totally been so much bigger than it was, mm-hmm. but it was like really really talked about too yeah. back when it came out. Everybody was hyping it. And then you also got the nice moments where Yumiko was just like, "I'm just gonna sit at home and read all day." Yeah, yeah, maybe that's why I'm overly torn towards <laughs> it. It's like, oh look, she likes to read too. Another Sheska. Ah. the reader die the uh always i always think of it because it was one of anaplex's first like releases was reader die and then the ruroni the kenshin samurai x movies oh and every once in a while i used to host a panel on like rare um blu-rays and dvds and how expensive they are because they're out of print and i just this is not a real thing but I looked up the rod, the complete Blu-ray Anaplex set on eBay, and the first result came up. It has it for seven thousand dollars. <laughs> so, yeah, I can afford that. Yeah, I mean they they have the one that was released by Manga Entertainment and stuff like that. But yeah. I always remember that was like one of the oh here's a more reasonable one for seven hundred dollars. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember that and yeah, because that was the OVA and the TV series on Blu-ray, and that was one of the. Very first forays for Anaplex into okay. the into the market. I was gonna say I didn't even know it had a Blu-ray. So yeah, oh. yeah, I didn't. I, my first one, I got this the Samurai X's or the Roman Kenshin OVAs mm. on Blu-ray. Those were the first ones I got. But yeah, Reader Die. I I always remember the AMVs and clips from that, but I unfortunately never got into it either. Mm. So mm. cool, Chris. What's yours? All right, my second one's another bit of a nostalgia, but it's a little less. Much of a throwback, though the series might have actually predated Robot Carnival. But the one I'm thinking of when I was uh, in the Fort Dodge, Iowa area, going to college, like I used to work at a Walmart during the time. And when I'd get off the clock, there was a Blockbuster nearby, and that is when I really dip dip my toes into the uh, deeper waters of anime because, like, I could just watch the stuff like Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon on TV, but this one had more options, and there were definitely some interesting choices there. I didn't even know what I was getting, so I read them. I remember distinctly my first one I grabbed was Plastic Little, and I was just like, okay, this is terrible. This is just fan service. It was so bad that when they put it out on DVD, they had a jiggle counter feature. But the one that really hooked me was Gunbuster. Gunbuster is uh, one of Gainax's first OVAs that they did. And it was directed by Hideaki Anno, who mm-hmm. we all know went on to do Evangelion, amongst many other things. But it was a weird mix of giant robot and sports parody. Because the whole storyline was they were these weird alien entities that were the size of, in some cases, entire planets. They were just strange insectoid, there was no way to communicate with them, and they were just coming to wipe out humanity. And so there's this girl, Noriko Takaya who ends up try, training to become a pilot of their sort of giant robot army. And it's ridiculous because in the first episode, you see them going to Giant Robot Academy, where they're actually in the suits doing push-ups and chin-ups to show like their dexterity with the suit. 
But once you get past that, it gets into a really interesting sci-fi story about how they handle fighting these monsters, how they have to keep on ratcheting up the power level to defeat it, and they unveil, unveil this giant suit named Gunbuster that they have to use to fight it off, and it does some really cool, interesting sci-fi stuff, because one of the things they handle is time dilation when you go near the speed of light. One of the first missions they do is the aliens are popping up around the orbit of, like I want to say it's like Pluto, Uranus, Neptune, one of the outer planets, and so they have to hurry out there fast to get there, but they're like, oh, by the way, you're going at light speed. So when you come back, like three years are going to have passed. And so they, come, they go out, they fight off the alien menace, they come back, and then all of a sudden all their friends have graduated from the academy. The ship that they were going to go out and seek out these aliens on is finished, even though it was halfway done when they left. And so they do a lot of cool stuff, and, and like in the original VHS release, they had little cute chibi mini explanations of how the sci-fi science worked. And you kind of lose that in the Blu-ray version, but it was just something that really caught me, because it was just this cool concept of really deep sci-fi and giant robot fighting, but also had some depth to it. So I was a big fan of that. Cool. All right, and Will, what do you got? Uh, well, I didn't mention this to in uh, what I've been watching, uh, but last night I ended up watching uh, the disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have I, you watched any Haruhi before that? <laughs> yes, I did. Oh, okay, yeah, I did. I, I wouldn't have watched it if I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, it's good enough where even if you have no prior knowledge of Haruhi. It's still really, really good. There's a lot to appreciate in the direction, and mm-hmm. like they really know like this movie can be absolutely gorgeous, like when it wants to, and it's already really pretty with the framing and the whole scenery and everything. But like there are just moments where like it turns on, it turns on the music, it really heightens up like the the emotions in the scene, and mm-hmm. it all comes together to create these just really beautiful, beautiful moments for me. And it's easily the best part of the Haruhi franchise for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. I thought the TV show was all right. I ended up watching the TV show in chronological order, mm-hmm. so I feel like I missed something. Did you even watch Endless Eight? I did. I did end up oh, watching Endless Eight. Good for you. <laughs> I don't yeah. handle it. Yeah, no, it was an interesting experiment, but it ultimately didn't bear out like it should. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyways, back to the movie. Yeah, back to the good one. <laughs> but the movie just really takes everything and really just gives a, a dramatic and serious bent. You really get to see the characters as characters mm-hmm. instead of like the archetypes that they were trying to parody in the TV show. Uh, and you get to see sides to them that you didn't, wouldn't have seen otherwise because mm-hmm. of the concept of how he is how he not only disappeared, mm-hmm. nobody remembers her and like the whole and different aspects of the world mm-hmm. have changed because of it. And you just it's really an interesting character study for Kion. I feel like he really grew in this in this in his uh, two and a half hours more than he did in the twenty four in the twenty four in the like the twenty eight episode run mm-hmm. that happened, and you get to see like Haruhi as like as a, as a little bit more toned down, mm-hmm. uh, and she and you get to see that there is a definitely more of a good side to her than and you got than you may have gotten to see in like the original series, as a, a great in a, a great series finale overall. 
uh, I felt like maybe the time time travel stuff might have been I got like might have gotten a little over my head at at the end there, but other than that, there really isn't much for me to criticize mm-hmm. about this really beautiful and surprisingly emotional movie for me. Uh, and it's really sad that some of the people who have worked on there worked on such a good project are no longer with us. Mm. Mm. Um, <laughs> the thing that's always blown my mind, the, the, I love that movie too. It's actually, if I'm going to watch anything Haruhi, that's the only thing I watch now is that movie. But, like, I was, I remember how big Haruhi was. And, mm. like, it was, like, huge. And, like, today, like, you very rarely hear anybody really yeah talk about it and like when it was like at its height like i would have thought like oh this is something that people are going to be talking about again mm-hmm. in like mm-hmm. you know 10 15 years but not really like no, it's 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 because i think it's mostly because it's one of those series that everything everything that seemed to come after it mm-hmm. is really just tried to try and build on the initial mm-hmm. success mm-hmm. to where it feels like it's just kind of osmosis, I guess. It's just become part mm-hmm. of everything. That it's like it's going back to it. You kind of just feel like, oh yeah, it reminds me of this show that came out and this show that came out. Mm-hmm. But it's always the shows that came after it. Yeah. yeah. I'd also say that some of the hype that surrounded the original TV show was the fact that they aired things out of order. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like uh-huh. that yeah. created so much. I fun. honestly felt like I missed out a lot by watching a chronological. I'll order. just put it this way, I didn't know what the heck was going on, so I dropped it, so that didn't work for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just remember the conventions like everybody doing the dance. Oh, oh yeah. god, the dance. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, like, I was like, what is this dance from? And then, you know, I saw the Haruhi and you know, Haruhi, the T V show wasn't for me, but that movie was great. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was a good one. All right, so my last one is total opposite direction of Red Line is In This Corner of the World. Um, I I like the movies you can kind of just sit in and live in that world. Uh, a good example for that is I'm a huge fan of Only Yesterday um, from uh, Ghibli. Um, it's just, just a world like, I mean, there's a huge event that happens in this, but like for a lot of it, it's just like, you're just living with a family and you're watching their everyday, you know, interactions and yep. like to to like normal people nothing big really happens but it makes the 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 big events that do happen in it that much bigger because it is so normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I some people did not care for the animation but I thought the animation in that was awesome. It's got I, a very unique style. Yeah, like it's yeah. just it's almost watercolory. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, like I, I just love the way it looks. Um, I love the way the characters interact with one another, um, and there is so it's infinitely rewatchable because there's so many things that you don't catch on the first viewing. Um, one of the things that always kind of blew my mind when I first saw it was. The scene towards the end of it, um, so it eventually gets to the point where they're a neighboring, I don't know if you want to call it a town or a village, uh, to Hiroshima. I mean, they are a good distance away, but mm-hmm. they they feel some of the ramifications of what happens when the bomb drops there towards the end of the film. And one of the things, the events that happen, is uh, one of the guys tries to walk home to his mother's house, oh. and... Uh, there's a scene where they're all exiting this house and there's this guy um, that you have no idea who he is. He's just laying up against the house and he's just laying there and the scene just moves on like he's not there 
and like you're almost so focused at the people leaving the house and what they're talking about that you don't notice him there kind of laying there dying basically Mm -hmm. i think at that point he's already passed away yeah but a couple minutes you get back into the film and they're kind of discussing um the woman who lived there and the uh main girl suzuku suzu they're kind of walking along and uh they're talking about loss and stuff and she talks about how they found her son and he was just laying up against the house and he had died and he Mm -hmm. walked all the way there and you're like oh my god that is so unbelievably tragic but it's so sad that's kind of how the movie like plays that kind of tragedy even the uh and there's going to be spoilers for this there um is a scene where uh her sister-in-law is going to go get a watch fixed um and she the main girl takes her daughter for kind of a little stroll and at this point there's air raids happening like mm-hmm. every couple hours like this is the point where the war was really reaching its climax um and uh they unfortunately go into a spot where a bomb went into the ground didn't explode and they kind of walk on it and it causes the bomb to blow up and mm-hmm. she loses a little girl she loses her arm which is also the arm she uses to draw these amazing pictures and it's just so unbelievably devastating like i i always remember watching grave of the fireflies the first time and like i have no i i just have no need to ever watch that again because i almost (laughs) felt like at a point it's almost misery porn Uh it's just it's so bad over and over and over and this one like the optimism that these characters try to keep when all these terrible things are happening the loss um like she eventually uh finds her sister did survive but her sister is suffering from radiation poisoning, mm-hmm. which at this time they didn't know that this is what this was causing. They're like, oh, I just have the flu. I'll get better eventually. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. no, unfortunately not. And then, like, the end the end is always kind of, uh, it breaks you a little where, it to me, it's like the most reminiscent part of Grave of the Fireflies where this little orphan girl is walking oh. along with her mother and her mother's got shards of giant glass mm-hmm. sticking out of her. And they just find a, a rock to sit on and relax for a minute because, like, the mother's dying. And then the little girl wakes up and her mother is, like, been infested with maggots. And yeah. It's really, really dark. And then, but it all leads to the hope at the end where this little orphan girl finds Suzu and her husband and they take her in. It never really alludes to it, but she, I, she's not going to be able to have children of her own. Um but they take her in and then the credits are like them kind of growing mm-hmm. up and it just it fills you that there's still hope and um these terrible tragedies happen these very sad things but what i really like about this movie so much is like there is there is a hope there is a need to to get past it and i always remember the scene where she when japan finally gives up and they have the radio announcement and she finally has her first like complete breakdown where she's just like well what the hell have we been fighting for like yeah. we've made all these sacrifices and this country said uh, this is going to lead to like the golden era and now they just gave up and our towns are destroyed and we've been mm-hmm. barely had anything to eat and we've lost family like what the hell is it all about and it's very human to see like even in the times where you try to stay optimistic like sometimes you just break down and it all just comes crumbling down and i thought that was a really good moment to for her to have that breakdown but mm-hmm. it's a beautiful movie it's it is a little over two hours it is long but it like i said i like i like movies and i like worlds that i can just kind of sit in and this is very much one like 
even the gardening scenes, I just are like, oh man, this is just so beautiful. <laughs> and she's visiting the towns and stuff like that. So I just highly recommend In This Corner of the World if you did miss it. Um, it was really cool that this even got made. This was a crowdfunded, Japan crowdfunded movie. Um, the director of it was actually the one that did uh, Black Lagoon, which is really, really... <laughs> Different. Yeah. yeah. You think about two polar opposites, <laughs> but it was a very famous manga. Um, mm. And it was really happy to see that it got an adaptation that it got. So mm-hmm. check out In This Corner of the World. It's released by Shop Factory mm-hmm. on Blu ray, and we do have it on our site if you'd like to check it out. So, but that's all we've got for kind of some recommendations for some movies. Um, we're just going to kind of finish up here. Uh, Next Sunday, so not this Sunday coming up, but the week after Sunday, which is September 1st at 1.30, uh, we will be having a Right Stuff anime panel at the Crunchyroll Expo. It'll be the first time Right Stuff anime is there. <laughs> we unfortunately don't have a booth there, but I will be wandering around hunting down Junji Ito to get his autograph. <laughs> now, now remember, you need to act like the director or the, of the documentary and millennial actress. Oh, that's Holding right. the fanboy. Yes, I will. <laughs> I want him to autograph all my stuff. Wow. I'm only going to get if, one If you out him, I'll be impressed. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited because he has, he's having panels there, and he wrote this awesome book about his cats. I don't know mm-hmm. if any of you guys have heard of it. I've seen no, it. I've yeah. heard, but not well, seen it. And how like there's like these ideas like, oh, his cats are evil and <laughs> stuff like that. And it's just really, really... <laughs> if you read all his dark stuff and then read something like that, it's a lot of fun. But he's hosting a panel about uh, like that book, like the cats nice. and stuff like that. So that's actually the one I'm most excited to see him talk about. But um, Does he answer the question as to why cats knock everything off tables? I'll ask him that. Okay. <laughs> like, why do you think cats not going to... And he's going to go into this, like, big, deep, dark story of the reason why cats do it. But, um, yeah, we have a panel that uh, September 1st, Sunday at 1.30. Um, we'll have two uh, new Gundam announcements, so that'll be kind of exciting. So Mystery. Mystery, yes. So, yeah, come check it out if you guys are at Country Rock Expo. And if you see me walking around in the right stuff, anime shirt... Make sure you come up and say hi. I always like to uh, meet fans and meet people who uh, love our uh, our site in person. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then coming up this next week, uh, our sale is going to be a comedy sale. So yep, we are going to be joking around. Yep, just joking around. So we're going to be highlighting some of the best comedy, anime, and manga that we've got. <laughs> so make sure you come over and check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I think that's all we've got for this week. Hopefully you've gotten some good anime movie recommendations. A lot of what we mm-hmm. talked about is available, except for the stuff that Quinn talked yeah, about. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I have other things written down that are on the site. I can just say them. Yeah. <laughs> Make up for it. Go watch Howl. H-A-L. There you go. Yes. <laughs> the twist at the end is worth mm-hmm. it. But if you have any questions for us or any ideas, uh, just email us over at rspodcast at rightstuff.com. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Uh, If you have any questions for us, we're always happy to answer things that might be things that you always wondered about how things run here. So that's all we've got for this week. I hope you guys have a good Labor Day coming up, and we'll be back in two weeks. Have a good one. Take it easy, y'all. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Right Stuff Anime. We'd love to hear from you. 
Send us your questions or comments to rspodcast at brightstuff.com and we might just answer them in a future episode. That's rspodcast at brightstuff.com.